The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Gray Malk and Lean's Patreon channel. I am thrilled to be joined by my podcast friend, Bar Fox, today, uh, Atlanta's own amazing celebrity how are you bar what's going on how are you i'm good i uh i was telling you just before we started i'm puppy sitting for like a newborn puppy today uh his name is cooper and he's this little floppy cutie pie who is so codependent i can't walk out of the room without him crying uh but when i'm there he wants to like chew on my bones so <laughs> <laughs> i love it how Welcome are you new puppy Oh, yeah, he's a lot. I am uh, glad he's leaving tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, my friend? You know what? I am juggling. Um, I've, I'm, I'm going to use the term zigging and zagging. It's a lot going on. And I don't know how so much got revved up at one time in every aspect of my life, from work to fun to cosplay. It's just all moving fast. So, um, juggling it sounds it sounds like they're all good things though you know what it's um they all have the potential to be great things it's a lot of um shows that i'm working on that are really good and have the potential to really wow the fans that they get greenlit it's a lot of cosplay stuff coming up with halloween um i'm with markster markster con cosplay your way and markster con are going to do a halloween party so I'm teaming up with him to throw something at the end of the month. Um, Wakanda Forever is coming. So yes. I'll your way. What's the release date on that? That's November 11th. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's coming quick. Yeah, and we're doing a, a preview, pre, yeah, premiere preview on the 10th. So that's coming and it's just all coming. And it, like I said, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I'm not complaining. It's Amazing, like things both professionally and personally, it sounds like, which is wonderful. Um, now, you guys may know Bar from uh, his amazing documentary, Cosplay Your Way, which is lovely. Uh, might I say award-winning documentary, Cosplay Your Way. Thank uh, you, yes. <laughs> Buzz, uh, Bar is also a television personality. Uh, do you want to tell people a little bit about the work you do? Um, sure, because I do a few things. So I am a television and film producer. I am also a person that hosts television programs or things. But what I do is I, I produce in field and I produce in post. Right now for my job, I am the post supervisor. So everything that has to happen to a television program or show before it goes to air, I'm over that. Yeah, yeah. So that's from color, sound, editing, um, foley, everything, everything. Basically, the people shoot it and they say, here, Bar Fox, and then I have to get it to air and, and put it in a position or in, in, a, in a way that you want to receive it 
on the viewer end. <laughs> Bar is also an incredible cosplayer who does a really lovely work uh, through his uh, Instagram, which is where I first saw Bar in a Jubilee cosplay, like kind of gender bendy cosplay. It was wonderful. Uh, Bar <laughs> first showed up on my podcast when we had our body positivity conversation after the blob trial and, uh, and came back another time. I'm so happy to see you here again, my friend. It's nice to see your Hi. face. I am too. You are so wonderful. And I want to yeah. thank you for doing what you do. Right and back at you. Good. Yeah, it's just good. I like, we just can talk and chill and you make me feel relaxed. So After the blob trial, we did the body positivity conversation. And I just today released the uh, mastermind and mesmero trial. And we're following that up with a conversation about sexual assault in comic books. And it's wow. so heavy. <laughs> it's wow. just, it's really dense, but uh, but really important too. So I, uh, I've i been editing that all day and I'm like, oh, okay. This feels like a nice <laughs> escape between puppies and and uh, heavy content. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's good to see you, my friend. So when we started this Patreon, I had the idea of doing supporting characters and or more obscure villains. And all of the X-Men have a family we, uh, we've done uh, a couple of episodes on uh, ancillary family members. I have a couple more coming up, and these are preemptive announcements on the family of Jean Grey and another on the family of Kitty Pride, uh, both in the next six weeks or so. Uh, but Bar and I get to talk about Storm's family. Uh, Bar, tell me, tell me about your relationship to the character Storm, if you will. Oh, my God. So, of course, you know, we, we will start where it starts. Storm was probably is probably the first african-american woman i saw in the comics and as a kid to see that to see her was just so remarkable because i didn't think we were going to get someone so powerful or someone that had a an actual space on a team someone that was respected and, and honored so starting off with storm has just been a wonderful journey. Now, in the beginning, after my initial, I love Storm, I love Storm, I did start looking at things like, hmm, why is her hair blonde? And why does she have blue? Like, why couldn't she just be a Black woman? And her eyes were blue and all these things. And I was getting reservations. And there has been times that people, when we first started cosplaying um, 100 years ago, they didn't necessarily want to just be Storm because of those things that were going on it was kind of like that's the go-to but as I did more research and grew and, and saw that there are plenty of African-Americans in Africa or Africa Africans that were born <laughs> with, I know I'm sorry I like African-Americans but people well, in Africa there's probably African-Americans in Africa yes <laughs> there, there might be but we're going to say so when I got older and, and studied Africa and the Africans, <laughs> um, you know, it was really wonderful to come up on the areas where there were Black people or Africans with blonde hair and blue eyes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is truly a thing. And as I let go of that and just really gave, just gave into the character about the history of it and the, the, the sorcery of her ancestry and things, I was more welcoming again because she's just so phenomenal. Storm can't be denied in any way. And she's had the flyest suits, the flyest haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like she's she's a fashion plate. She's powerful. She's elegant. She's regal. 
Um, it's a regal beauty that you don't get to see a lot of. And um, Storm commands that. Storm, I think, represents multiculturalism in the X-Men almost more than any other character, although there are certainly other characters that represent that. She is the product of more than one world. She has uh, parents who are, uh, I think her mother is Kenyan and her yeah. father is American, uh, but she also spent most of her childhood in Egypt. And she has all these kind of multicultural connections and represents so much. Uh, she's a character unlike any other character. And for the X-Men in particular, she, she represents something very strong as the only character of color for so long in the books. Uh, I, there, was, there was Thunderbird who is Native American and uh, there have been other characters of course along the way, but uh, for so long, she's been the only one and still the most prominent one to this day, maybe with Bishop coming in second. Uh, but she's a she's a literal goddess. Uh, we we love her. I'm not going to get to her first appearance on my podcast for a while because we're still set in the 1960s continuity. But uh, I look forward to exploring her character. When I do these episodes, I've read all these comics before, but to read just the ep or the issues featuring Storm's family uh, and just put them all in context, front to back, kind of chronologically, and how people have uh, have built on the mythos and put things in place. It's so wonderful to uh, to put these uh, these characters in focus because I I don't think a lot of people take the time to research what's there. We know Storm's parents uh, died in, in a plane crash, and that yeah. Storm is claustrophobic, and that's kind of all the thought that we give it. And occasionally they show up in a dream that she has or something, but. Uh, but they're really powerful characters, and it's a story of family and love and just extreme trauma and tragedy. Uh, before we get into the continuity of all of this, uh, were you very familiar with the story of her parents before we started this research? So prior to this research, I was, as you stated, a person that, oh, she has some parents. Oh, unfortunately, they died young. Um, you know, her mother was a part of this tribe, and it wasn't much more after that. Yeah, I I didn't know where they met, how they met. Um, loosely knew what the father did for a living, and and how he came upon a princess to even engage with her. Um, didn't have a complete understanding of what they do and where they are, but so this research was really really good because it's a character yeah. I care about, and I was like, okay, let me really do a deep dive into stuff. And then I had some other questions too about other ancillary characters that are connected to Storm and trying to figure out, still trying to figure out, and hopefully we will discover something in this conversation. Yeah. How some of these people came into play, like, you know, later she has a sister and a nephew, but I'm like, how? Or when did they change the origin of her story? Because her right. parents passed away and there's no sister. So how does she have a sister and a nephew now? So it's just really interesting to dive in. But um, they have such a beautiful love story. Um, now that I look Storm, into Storm and T'Challa or David and Dan? No, the, the mother and father. Yeah, you know, yeah, we yeah. all know the Storm and T'Challa. You know, we all rooting for them. <laughs> but um, the mother and father, it was just a traditional love story of a, a man, photojournalist, over somewhere foreign to him, but beautiful, and he meets a person who's out of his league. Um, she's a, a real princess, but she goes against all of that and everything she's supposed to do as a princess to chase love and and give herself to love with this American. 
and and literally moves and comes to America. So that I know they couldn't make it a whole book because we want to see the action, the fighting, the mutant stuff. But it's such a beautiful story of how Storm came about and how yeah. she was born. I remember sitting down before starting this research. And I, I mean, I knew her parents died in the plane crash. That's where she got claustrophobia. We're going to talk about that about six times today. Uh, but I also knew she had that mother I, I, I met. Uh, and then there was like a, a an uncle and then like her grandmother, Ashake. And like th there was some characters in Black Panther. It, I, I had never sat down and pieced it all together, but it's a pretty linear story. Uh, I think she also calls the character Ahmed El-Jabbar, El the, the man who trained her to be a thief. I think she calls him right. father sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, she uh, She's a wonderful, wonderful character. And piecing together her backstory added a lot of depth to her for me. I love how Claremont gave us complicated characters. Storm is the weather goddess, but she's also the thief. And uh, then she becomes the the rebel with the mohawk and the the night fighting <laughs> skills, you know? the uh, She's... She's an incredible character. Uh, I don't know if you're following the current comics, but she's like the goddess of Mars now. I mean, she's she's amazing. Wow. No, uh, there's a mutant civilization that has been established on the planet Mars now. They call it Arako. And Storm is uh, like the leader or the queen, basically. It's complicated. There's like a complex ruling council and she's part of it, but she's kind of the shining character along with Magneto uh, as the person who just is taking charge People regularly challenge her to try to take her throne and she kicks their asses every time. And she's amazing. She's, <laughs> they're doing great stuff with her in X-Men Red right now. It's uh, it's a phenomenal book. That's like, I really love that um, the books have always allowed her to be able to go hand-to-hand -hand combat mm -hmm. and, you know, be regal. So she's a, a, mega, a mega level mutant, but she can kick your ass. And um, it was very prominent in the one where she lost her powers and I think she had to fight for leadership. Yeah. She, she beat up Cyclops. She's a character that's so powerful. It's almost hard to find challenges for her, uh, but you can do it. You can do it effectively because she has a really vast power set. I, uh, I, have, I have so many memories of her in the animated series, just kicking ass, but then she'd like get shot out of the sky by some laser gun or something. Like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I hated that. It would just be like one. She would do so much, and then one little laser hit her, and she falls out the sky. Oh, <laughs> there's always a scream. <laughs> it's some. It's some characters that I think, um, when they write them, they give them so much, and they forget to add some vulnerability in, which they try to do with her. But you know, you have the Superman, you have the Jean Grey, you have the the um, Storm. They just they can do so much. Yeah. And so I think they um, overshoot sometimes with how they beat them up and knock them down because it's so, sometimes it's so minute. It's like, they can take that. What are you doing? <laughs> but. So let's start at the beginning. We uh, we have Storm first appearing in Giant Size X-Men number one. Len Wein, Dave Cochran, they give us an all new team of multicultural X-Men uh, flying gloriously on the cover as a woman of color. Storm dressed in black and gold, stark white hair flowing down her back, gorgeous blue eyes. She's just stunning. And you go inside the book where you see her in Kenya. They call her Aurora, Aurora which means beauty in her native language. Uh, the great goddess of the storm. Uh, she would receive visits from the local citizens who would ask for help with their crops. Uh, she's just 
beautiful and benevolent. She wears a black tiara and bracelets and necklace, belted skirt that goes down kind of freely flowing over her legs. And she's topless with her hair hanging over her breasts. Uh, You've never seen anything quite like her in comics, uh, particularly in X-Men books. Uh, And soon after, Xavier recruits her into the X-Men. We don't learn her backstory for a little while, but just this moment in comics history is something that's crucial for everything that follows uh, there's there's prominent characters of color kind of black panther and luke cage being first and foremost but storm really means something outside of like misty knight and a few other characters there's just not a lot of black powerful women that you see represented or featured very often and she's fucking incredible she's still like top of the list for me all the time exactly which is why like as a child or when i first was introduced to her Unfortunately, you know, I lived in a world where, oh, you know, it's a, it's, an impo- it's a powerful, impacting Black character. And those characters were short-lived for a lot of time. They were either presented really strongly and they went away just quickly or, or something. And to see Storm, like, I have to tell you, every year I was scared that something was going to happen to Storm. Because I just was not introduced to a character like her that was able to stay in the spotlight. Um, you know, let's look at see what they did to to Captain Marvel or Photon or Phasar or all her. Yeah, yeah, Monica, Monica Rambeau. We Monica love- Rambeau. Yeah, um, which is another character that I was like, yeah, to, and you know, they changed her name, took her power. They were doing so much, and I'm like, oh my god, she led the Avengers, and nobody really even talks about that. Yes. So um, Storm has been such a wonderful staple of pride and excitement. She's in everybody's top five X-Men. Cyclops, Cyclops, Wolverine, Storm are like always the top three (laughs) for everybody. Absolutely. Uh, So Claremont gives us a backstory for the first time. And and this is where we always have to mention Marvel is publishing comics chronologically. So modern writers will go back and add earlier continuity. We learn more of character stories as comics progress and it's our job to kind of stack it up, but we're gonna go chronologically here. So it's X-Men 96, 1975. Uh, Chris Claremont is now on the book, Bill Mantlow's co-writing, Dave Cockrum's doing gorgeous pencils. And we see Storm fighting Kirok and the Ungarai demons. And by the way, my next Patreon episode after this is about the Ungarai demons with uh, oh. uh, the letterer Ariana Mar, which is fascinating research. We'll get to that in another episode, but it's uh, it's great. Uh, the X-Men are new and she's pulled inside of the darkness of the demon's cairn and her mind is drawn back to her uh, childhood. When we see kind of an image of her uh, holding hands with her parents and then her like being buried in wreckage. And in this moment, she lashes out with lightning and destroys the cairn and the issue ends. And that's kind of, we get this hint that there's something very tragic that happened to her uh, once before. Uh, and then in X-Men 102, they're fighting Juggernaut and Black Tom and Storm is inside of a castle and the walls kind of close in on her. And she cries out for help from her mother and we see this kind of long buried memory unlock in her mind now i'm a therapist in my day job it is not uncommon for people to go through very traumatic things in childhood and then completely block out the memories we don't call those repressed memories anymore but that's kind of the idea is there are things that we call trauma triggers there are things that remind us of what we've been through and mm-hmm. suddenly we have memories of what happened. And this happened to me as a teenager. I went through some pretty awful trauma in my early childhood. 
And was I, when I was a teen, I had some things that happened and then suddenly memories from childhood started coming back. So this is something we're seeing happen to Storm in this moment. And she just fucking sobs. And the, the caption box gives us, a, it says, a, a, a twisting in her mind as Storm's scream tears open long sealed doors, unlocking memories of an alien time and place of New York of Harlem in the summer of 1951. And we have to mention Marvel's sliding time scale here. It's set in the 50s but <laughs> because of uh, things that, you know, it actually would have been set in the 90s at this point. And in another 40 years, it'll be set in the 2030s. because it Absolutely. <laughs> you just gotta slide the concept up. Tell us what happens to six-year-old Aurora when we see this flashback in 102. She's got her same white hair and blue eyes. She's just the cutest little thing. She is adorable um it's it's such a first i want to say um i didn't even know what um being claustrophobic was until i read storm so you know i, I want to give a shout out to the writers for giving layers and educating and causing people like me to look it up and want to know more about what this element was um but if we go to six month old just beautiful proud parents, that hair, those eyes, definitely making her stand out amongst the rest. Um, it's so funny because as I did more research, I've always wondered why her mother didn't have those traits of the hair and the eyes because of the descendant aspect of it. Yeah. But yeah, as, yeah I did deeper research to find out that it skips a generation of now and again which is crazy though imagine <laughs> imagine having a baby and she's got like this gorgeous white hair and you're like whoa <laughs> i mean, I mean it happens it happens a lot <laughs> it happens a lot but you know to to see that image in the comics to see it for the first time it was eye-opening again like i said earlier i was initially amazed and enthralled and then i was questioning things because i hadn't seen that in person, yet I haven't seen I hadn't seen an African American or an African with those traits. Sure. And, and then to get older and to actually see that those traits are reflective of some. Um, I was I was just amazed. So I was able to re-engage and re reconnect with it and you know understand that whoever wrote this i don't know if they knew it but they were actually doing a mirror reflection of a part of my culture yeah and of yeah. people i don't hopefully they knew it and did research i i don't know we'll see when i'm we, kind of guessing it was accidental they just <laughs> it like <was> <laughs> <laughs> i'm thinking it was more accident too and it just so happened that exists but um yeah how do you how do you pronounce storm's mother's name it's spelled n apostrophe capital d-a-r-e so um i've heard indari or in in indari indari i in my brain it's just indare but indare makes much more sense we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll call her indari for today and her father is david monroe which is about the most american name you can think of absolutely <laughs> Let's read this. Uh, let's read this scene from X Men One Hundred Two. If I read David, will you read Indare? Is that okay? I can be Indare. And we'll, I'm not going to try any sort of accents. I think that would be disrespectful. <laughs> we, we won't do accents. Let's, let's just give it to him, though. So Dave, <laughs> David says, "So long, 112th Street. I hope I never see you again. Happy, hon? And why not? I'm going home, David. Though Cairo is two thousand miles north of Kenya." You know, I sometimes wonder where David Monroe, aspiring photojournalist, got the nerve to ask an African princess to marry him. 
from love, perhaps. That's where I got the courage to say yes. Look at Aurora, only a baby, and she looks like she understands every word we're saying. She does, David, because she's a very special child. I knew that from the instant of her conception. And then we move forward a little bit in time here. We are now in Cairo, Egypt, and it is five years later. This is during the Suez War. Claremont loved to set conflicts in real, uh, his comic book conflicts in real conflicts. So the, the Suez War was basically all you need to know. If you, you can look it up on Wikipedia if you need more information, but <laughs> Nasser Arafat had nationalized the Suez Canal and now England and France and Israel had invaded and there was a big war and it got very violent and a lot of people died. So David and Andare here are, are panicking because war is breaking out around them. David says, the French are bombing the main highway and our house is way too close to their target for comfort. We've got to get out of here, Andare. Fast, we'll head into the city. I'll leave you at the American embassy. Don't worry, love, everything's going to work out just fine. And then a fucking plane crashes into their house and he yells, oh my God, Andare, Aurora, get down, I'll keep you safe. Uh, Aurora's knocked unconscious. Uh, she wakes up buried in rubble and she can see her mother's corpse. And she calls out for her mother, of course. And do you want to read this caption box for us? Uh, this is Claremont at his finest, just giving us trauma in his characters that fuel us, uh, that make us understand them in a different way. Uh, it's so sad. Uh, tell us what Claremont says in the captions here. It, it absolutely is sad. Um, the caption says, there was darkness again, blessed nothingness. But when you awaken, your mother's body was gone and you were alone with rock and rubble jammed in close around you, sealing you in. Somehow, though you managed to pull yourself free, you haunted the gutters in the back alleys for a time until some of Ahmed El-Gabar's urchins found you. The old man took you in and taught you how to survive. Within a year, you were the finest beggar, sneak thief in all of Cairo, but then, in your 12th year, something, some inner need began pulling you south, away from Egypt in the Sahara. You walked for a year, 2,000 miles from Cairo to the Serengeti plain. And though you never seen the velvet before, you knew you had come home. And our understanding of Aurora changes forever. This is something I love so much about Claremont is... A lot of people would draw this story out over six issues. There'd be hints and mysteries. In three pages, he can give us a complete revolutionary understanding, a change of his character. I recently reread the classic X-Men backstory that talks about Magneto as a concentration camp survivor, marrying Magda, then losing his daughter Anya in the fire. And it's mm. like six pages and it completely changes everything about Magneto forever. Wow. This uh, wow. this story about Storm and her trauma uh, and what happened to her very lovely, loving parents. He could have just shown us their corpses, but he gave us enough story to show that they were very much in love, and their 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 deaths are just so pathetic. It's something that they didn't control. It's it's a random act. They were in a building that a plane hit, and it it just it's so it's so sad. And trauma is often that way. Uh, you mentioned claustrophobia earlier, Barr. Uh, claustrophobia, is, for, for those that don't know, is the fear of enclosed spaces. And some people have claustrophobia at a very small level. Storm was buried alive and saw her parents' bodies and lost everything. So for her, claustrophobia is not just a fear. It is a, a reminder of this incredible trauma from her childhood. Uh, and 
it lasted in the comics with her for a long time. They don't seem to use it as much now. It's kind of like she's healed and moved on. Her sense of family has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but tell me your thoughts on this awful, awful backstory. I mean, it just rips my heart in half. So again, it's as as a person that was just enthralled and intrigued with backstories, it pulled on the emotions like it should have. It was something that I couldn't even wrap my little mind around. And till this day, you know, I it hits me in another way because now I'm older and I understand that trauma even more. But um, originally, I was just so, again, annoyed with there is a person here and she's now without parents and her family's dead. Like, I was like, why so much tragedy? It seemed like with characters of color, we had to just kind of rip them from the love and embrace of their family and tribes and things and, and just in, and pluck them in certain scenarios and areas and let somebody else be their guardian and who brought them up. And, you know, that bothered me at times because I wanted to see a family, a structure, thank God we got Black Panther, of uh, where it was people, <laughs> of col- people of color that cultivated and embraced and encouraged and and motivated and it wasn't someone plucked out so i have to be honest um in the beginning and even sometimes now it still kind of bothers me that she was a thief for so long and that she was a beggar on the street i definitely appreciate it from a storytelling point of view to give her layers because what i do like is that the person that created this character wanted more for her and wanted her to last and you do that by making it a protagonist and antagonist and giving them layers so we can actually move in and out of Storm's story. Well, the interesting thing for her, too, is Storm is not a thief to commit crimes. She's a thief to survive. Absolutely. She, she's a resilient like child on the streets. And we have that classic issue of her pickpocketing Professor X in the past, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And then we and then we tie her through this like two thousand mile walk across Africa, where later we won't cover this today, but later continuity reveals she met T'Challa during that time, and that's where Absolutely. they kind of started their courtship. Um, it's a it's a it's a sad story. I'm thinking back to Giant Size Number One as well. Uh, uh, Claremont gave us a lot of backstories. Cyclops's parents died in a plane crash as well, except they were pulled into space, right? uh nightcrawler's mother was a witch but it's not his actual mother wolverine has no memories of his past i feel like maybe colossus from that batch is the only one that had kind of a happy home uh thunderbird died i mean storm (laughs) storm is one of many characters who come from a really heavy trauma background absolutely Uh, and And that made it that made it feel a little because i while i was reading i was like oh maybe maybe they needed to create scenarios where all of these people were or these kids were orphans or something to come to the school because it it made sense opposed to just a person giving their child away to this man because he has a school we we saw how that turned out in umbrella academy (laughs) (laughs) so so i got it like i said initially it was my reservations and as I read it and understood storytelling more and layers and that they were driving as many people as they could to this space where they were forming a family because they kind of all started from a tragic place. 
and still were dealing with demons and would deal with demons together. Well, and trauma, I do this with clients all the time. Trauma shapes us. Uh, I think for me, if I look back at my childhood trauma, I would never choose to relive any of it. But I also recognize that it turned me into the man that I am today in a lot of ways. And the storm, I think there's probably a what if comic that needs to be written. What if her parents hadn't died? I think she would have turned into a very different woman. Uh, not not to say she wouldn't be amazing, but this this like sense of survival and need to rely on herself gave her a self-assurance and a command uh, and a need for family, I think that really defines the character in so many ways. Uh, Claremont's writing is just brilliant, 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 what he does. He was not afraid to give his characters very, very shitty childhoods. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, it's like from a storyteller, thank you from a person that is like, I hope this never happens to me or anybody I know. What the hell were you thinking about? And what did you go through, sir, to even <laughs> come I mean, up even, with this stuff? Even Magneto and Xavier are orphans. They lost their parents too. It's, it's, kind, parents. Of, it's kind of intense. Jean, Jean Grey and Beast and Iceman all come from happy homes. Uh, Angel had parents that sent him off to boarding school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most most of the other cast, they have really tragic backgrounds. Okay, I'm going to cover like three or four uh, pieces uh, of information kind of quickly here. We get okay. references to Storm's character, Storm's parents often in dreams, as well as her ancestral line. And let me cover all this, and then let me uh, ask you for uh, comments or feedback. Anything that you want to talk about is great. So in, 19, in 1985, we get two Claremont stories. One is where uh, Uncanny X-Men 183, Storm sees a vision of her mother in a dream. In New Mutants 32, same year, we get the first appearance of Ashake, if I'm saying that correctly, who is Storm's like ancient ancestor. He's like a white-haired woman who's a sorceress. And she helps the New Mutants when they're on a time travel adventure. And we get this kind of idea that Storm comes from a very powerful lineage, which is something that is kind of interesting for her character, but we'll do another episode on Ashaka another time. That's a completely different <laughs> character. She shows up in the Mystic Arcana series. There's a write-up of her on the Marvel Appendix if you want to learn more. In Uncanny X-Men uh, 265, it's another Claremont story in 1990. Storm has been de-aged to a child by uh, the character Nanny, and she remembers going on a picnic with her parents and uh, it's kind of just happy times. She's being flown through the air by her dad, like kind of playing with her, twirling her around. He talks about being in the Korean War, which is a new fact about him. Uh, David and Indari are just in love and happy. Uh, but then in this dream, they transform into like crazy demons because the Shadow King is messing with her. It, it's, it's super sad. We see this a few different times, like villains messing with Storm's memories. Another time is Uncanny X-Men 320 in 1995, Legion takes Storm, and this is right before the Age of Apocalypse, he takes Storm back in time and makes her witness the plane crashing into her parents' house, but won't let her stop it. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot to cover very quickly, but tell me some of your thoughts on these stories, if you have any. Um, I do have a lot. So, uh, um, love the flashbacks, love the taking us back in time and getting us interested as a reader and a person that loved the character into more than just their superpowers and who they are now. Um, I'm such a fan of what happened in your life and in your world to create the masterpiece that you are now. I love that in these books, again, as a person that's not or wasn't used to someone taking a time for a person of color, that someone cared enough to give her depth 
I mean, and I, I can't express that enough how important that is because we just didn't get it. You know, now people are doing a, a little better and they're trying and they, they're giving you depth and layers. But yesteryear, we just didn't get it. And for someone to take the time to care about her story, um, the same thing with Vixen in D.C. Sure, yeah. Yeah, to actually do enough research to to learn the culture enough to be in line. Um, I thought it was great. The dream sequence that they do is scary, but at the same time, I love that one, they always show her parents as loving parents. Like you, I don't think I've seen or read anything where these two were not madly in love and that Aurora was born out of that. Yeah. Um, but I also love that because she's so powerful, these things make her human and vulnerable. And even for my corrupt, corrupt side of looking at a villain, you know, <laughs> I, it was like kind of cool that they play, like you got, Storm can kick your butt. You got to play on her insecurities. You have to play on her fear of, of being in a closed in space and her distracted with her love for her family so you can get one up on her. So I, I totally understood that. Um, villains are going to be villains. <laughs> they're going to be villains. But going through her mind and back in time and reading some of these things and seeing her family and seeing that at age six, was she five or six when they, when they passed? Six years old. Yeah. She felt them and she still knew her mom's smell and she knew her father's smell. And these are things I didn't have to go through, but I've talked to friends and associates that have lost people. And, and these are those wonderful memories they get from a scent or even a cooking something or smelling a fragrance. Yeah. It, it just triggers these beautiful moments. So I appreciate it. The I, mis the mysticism in Storm's background with this character Ashake, and by the way, there as we're recording this, uh, Chris Claremont is writing a new series called Gambit that explores this time when Storm was a baby and she's like thieving with Gambit, and she's in a coma and sees visions of Ashake. So this character has been brought back in the modern comics. Yeah, uh, we also in a very weird place in a, in a book called Marvel Tarot Number One. This is written in two thousand seven. There's mention of the goddess Ayesha who is the reign queen of Balabedu. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, uh, she, we might have to called, look that one up. <laughs> she's, she's called the Sorcerer Supreme or the Sorceress Supreme back in 10,000 BC. And it says she right. reigned for 5,000 years and Storm is among her descendants. So we get this idea that Storm comes from a very powerful lineage of women uh, and that her mother is part of that legacy, which is kind of unexplored for Storm's character, I think. It, it gives her kind of a depth or a descendancy that's really interesting. Um, it kind of makes her less special for me. I like the idea of her ancestry, but when you, I like the idea of her being a person of her own power, right? Like she's a mutant and she's born incredible. And when you look at mutants that are born as a line of like, my ancestors were all sorceresses and I was destined to be born that way. It's an interesting shift to the character that I don't know that I love. What are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, I like it because it, it ties her into something deeper. Um, and then I don't think from what I could find that they all had the same powers or that they all had the same ability. Yeah, they were sorceresses, yeah. Yeah, they were sorceresses. So I think they will different things. And she's called the Weather Witch 
which might be in their world. She's a sorcerer or sorceress over weather. That I don't know what else they did, but um, I I like that it it left it open a little for each person to be individualistic. But I don't know. I've always loved the thought of being linked to something or someone um, just extraordinary from my ancestry. So that part has never ever made me look at it like oh, okay so it's about 40 of them so what maybe uh maybe <laughs> storm needs to train under dr strange or clea and become uh become magical <laughs> become magical a user but you know look what she did she was an asgardian oh, well, i think we're gonna get to that but she was an asgardian for we won't cover that today actually yeah she she's been the vampire lady and also like the thunder <laughs> goddess uh with Thor, with thor's hammer yeah she's got some she's got some cool stuff Right, which is all like goddess level, um, magical, mystical. Like it's so much to her. She's so untapped. Um, I don't even know if they can untap all the layers of Storm and, and what she can do and where she comes from. So um, I definitely understand and comprehend what you're saying. It's like you want, especially with the mutant um, description, you you kind of want people, or I like it when people are individual individualistic and have their own thing. Um, I didn't even I didn't even used to like when people had the same powers. I'm like, you're gonna put two mutants out and they all can do the same. I was like, that's the same thing. But um, something I about suppose, I suppose it does give Storm like a sense of family. She lost so yeah. much, but to have this tie in to her history, I. There's something unexplored there with her that I think would be fascinating, actually. Now that it, now that it's there, I so I, I would love to see someone do something incredible with it. Love it. I would love a transport storm back in time, um, issue or cartoon or something to go back and explore that ancestry and let us see what they were like and what they did and and how they came to be and who were their nemesis and i just want to see all of that i will eventually get to the trial of storm on my podcast it'll take me a while there's not much to put her on trial for because she's great but whenever (laughs) i do trials i will read a a character's entire chronology so my next one my next one is havoc i'm working on uh some other characters right now a banshee i'm working on right now so whenever i'm reading someone front to back it gives me a completely different understanding of the character and i haven't done that with storm yet but i will get there say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards Tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Uh, It'll be interesting to explore. I was really surprised by uh, Uncanny Origins was a series that ran very briefly in the 90s that would give us backstories for characters. And there's a really lovely story about Storm there. You kind of expect it to just be a bunch of uh, repeat material. It's a little cartoony, but it's mm-hmm. beautiful. Uh, Jim Alexander, who I don't know much about, uh, gave us a lot of context to her backstory in this issue. So she's uh, it gives us the day of her birth. She's born in a New York hospital. David's holding her. Uh, she's wrapped in a pink blanket. He says, my folks would often say it's never too early to introduce yourself. Little one, my name is David Monroe, but you can call me dad. What say I hand you back to your mother? I've got two princesses now. And uh, tell us what Andari says when she picks up her baby. Oh my God, let me see where we are. 
because I was missed, uh, where we are. Okay, I just jumped. <laughs> you just jumped. I know. I'm like following along. You like tell me which in the uh, in the uncanny origin. Is that the, is that, is that she is special. This one. Yeah, yeah. Such an easy burp. Yeah. Okay, I'm on it. Okay, let me get it. Let me get it. I'm on it. <laughs> get get in character. Right. I'm in character. <laughs> she is special. This one. Such an easy burp. I wonder what are your dreams, sweet child, sweet Aurora. Never forget you are as much a child of the old world as the new. Oh, and as then uh, she calls her a princess, sings to her in both Swahili and in English. And then we flash forward to Cairo, in which we already know about the move. David's working as a photojournalist. Uh, he noticed the storm or Aurora drawing a mountain. He promises to take her to Kilimanjaro in Kenya one day, but he worries, he's worried about their safety. There's literally war going on around them and he's capturing images with pictures. And then a plane hits the house. And let me read the caption here. It says, Aurora wakes in the darkness. She remembers her father shouting a warning. Then the crash, the noise of wrenching steel and snapping timber rushing in on her senses like a wild and oppressive gale. She remembers the room giving way beneath her, her falling into a pit hollowed out by a crash. It's then that she realizes she's still in the pit. Pain begins to jab at her through her grogginess. She's too petrified to move. All alone in the rubble and the darkness and the horror, her mother's song comes to Aurora. Barely a day would go by without her mother singing to her. The soft lull of her mother's voice is a soothing ripple in a dark, terrifying sea. It calms the young Aurora. She listens to the words which say to her, be brave, little bird, and climb to the sun. So using her song as the guide, excuse me, using the song as her guide, she climbs. Just a few moments more, she thinks, and she'll be out of the dark. She'll be safe with her parents. It's so sad. <laughs> it is sad. It, it is like rips sad. my heart out. And then we see an image of her in Cairo having a dream of her mother. And her mother says to her in the dream, will you give us that part where she says, sweet, precious Aurora? Yes, I'm on it now. Woo, I'm following along. Okay, <laughs> so, sweet, precious Aurora. For one so young, you have come so far. But your life's voyage doesn't end here. You have much to understand still. Your instincts are those of the wind. Relentless, unconstrained knowing no boundaries so know your instincts aurora and follow them and then i want to talk about this but i want to jump to one more incredible story about david and Andare really quickly so storm is being announced as the wife of the black panther now the wedding of the century is coming up it's 2006 and eric jerome dickey who's just a brilliant black writer look him up he died of cancer uh, really tragically in 2021 Mm -hmm. um, we see some flashbacks that when you see characters of color written by people of color, the context changes completely. It's crucial. Absolutely. It's necessary. We need it consistently. And Storm is having fond memories of her parents, like just interacting with her, putting her to sleep as a baby. Uh, she remembers, for example, how much affection her father spoke her mother's name with and the way he used the camera in his work. And she reflects on some powerful moments from her past. Uh, Indare witnesses some racial violence in America. And she confronts David in the subway as she's clutching Aurora close. And this, uh, I don't know if the first time I read this series in 2006, I don't know if I understood this. I, I read it, but it hit me in the stomach during this, uh, this era of, I mean, I'm a social worker. I like to consider myself 
understanding and educated about social justice issues. I'm a, I'm a white man, clearly, and I, I like to know what I'm getting into because I help people of all different races and colors and, and uh, types of things as a therapist. This one just punched me right in the stomach. It, it, it got me. Um, will, you, will you read Indara here again? And I'll read David. This, this, this conversation they have on the subway really, really affected Oh, yeah. This, this, um, even reading it again, um, the relevance of it, the, the realness of it, the mirror reflection of now, it, it, it hit me hard because this is accurate. It was accurate then. It's accurate now. And it's just scary that we're still here. Okay, so Indari, it is not safe here, David. It's not safe anywhere in the world, Indari. They will hate my child. They will come for her. Indari. I wanna go back home. We are going home. You know what I mean, David. They offer you an excellent job in Cairo, take it. David, get us away from this madness. I can't do Africa, Indari, I can't. And I can't stay here, David. But I cannot. We can move to Connecticut or New Jersey. They are everywhere, David. So much hate for those who are different. They've offered me good money, housing, but with all the civil unrest, it's not exactly Club Med in Africa either. Consider the job in Cairo, David. If anything happened to Aurora, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. Like I told them, I'll think about it. That's all I can promise. But this is not for you. It is not for me. It is for Aurora. If anything happened to my child. And then a little later, a white cab driver refuses to pick them up because they're black. And Indare keeps the the fight going. Uh, Keep going, Bar. And there are other reasons I want to leave this wretched country. In Africa, I am a queen. Here I am just a... Don't don't say it. N-word. I'm not saying a word. (laughs) It says the N-word. The N-word, yeah. Well, I've been called an N-word all my life, Indare. Am I supposed to get used to this treatment? Aurora will hear you. She needs to hear because this will be her reality as well. I'm tired of hearing you say that. And I'm tired of having to say it. And then later that night, Aurora is asleep in Indare's lap and the conversation continues. I want to go home, David. If something happened to Aurora... And David takes a long look at his daughter and his wife and he says, you're right, Indare. We'll pack tomorrow? Tonight. We'll pack tonight. And uh, in storm number two, there is a... uh, Storm's remembering the war in Cairo and how David thought the war was over oil and Indare thought the war was over God. And David rushed out into the conflict to take pictures. And she remembers how her parents loved her. And she's half joking. They half joke that she'll run the world one day. And she reflects and it's just beautiful here. She says, I wish I had known, wished the gods had whispered. Scent is the strongest memory, the fragrance of my mother's perfume, the scent of father's cologne. On a warm night when the wind blows, I can still smell them. I wish the gods had whispered in my ear. The wind blows and I feel them holding me, the touch of their skin against mine. Yes, I wish the gods had whispered in my ear and told me that we were having our last day. The last day I would see my mother's smile, the last day I would hear my father's voice, the last moment I had a family. And then she wakes up in the wreckage and is screaming for freedom and she finds her parents' uh, bodies and she takes a necklace out of her mother's hand. Now, there seems to be an implication here and I would love to hear, I'm, I'm gonna defer to you almost completely, but David's experience as an American, part of the subtext that I read here is that he's become accustomed to being treated like shit. 
as a black man. And she, as a woman in Africa, in a black society where she is not treated that way, is saying, this is not normal. What you're going through here is not okay. And he's like, this is how it is. It's just what it is. And she's like, it's not how it has to be. And then for them to die anyway, like it just, this scene just like, uh, tell me it, your thoughts, Baraz. I'm going to shut up and listen. <laughs> it, it takes me out. Even reading is so heavy because um, as a black man, he has been conditioned and that was so real. Like when they wrote that, that was so real because we are conditioned to just shake it off, turn the other cheek, smile through it, push through it. And to have a wife who came from a place where she didn't have to deal with this and she didn't have to experience this. I love, I love that juxtaposition. Um, but what really took me out is for them to go back home and meet their demise after they left a place to get away from potentially being harmed. It it just really messed with my head to, it was, it really messed with my head and it was really sad to read. Um, I kind of wish if they were gonna take them out, they did it in America um, as opposed to going to be free of being murdered or mistreated to to run to their death um part of the subtext i got here too and she doesn't say this out loud but it's almost as though she'd say i would rather be in a war zone than in this place where i'm afraid every day like that's less scary to me than the racism here and that that just it got me absolutely absolutely and it's like i said it's so real like i read that i read it a couple of weeks ago, I read it again. I'm like, this is so pertinent. And I've had these thoughts. Um, I've I've been outside where you're trying to deal with it and, and make it work. And that and that car passes you by or, you know, that cab driver, we use it as a metaphor, or doesn't pick you up because of your color. And you were having a good day. You were doing what you thought was what you should do to be a good person and be a person in society that's contributing. And then someone just ruins that or takes it away from you because of the color of your skin, Robin's treatment. And I get her fear. That was so real. I, it's tangible. That fear is tangible. I have it occasionally more often than I should. You know, I live in Atlanta, so I'm kind of in the real Wakanda, I guess, the, <laughs> where it's the chocolate city. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and I, I get to have some freedoms, but I can't lie. And when Some of my friends or associates live so far out. And when I'm driving out of the protection bubble of Atlanta and all that's great in Atlanta, going to these other places, I get a, a, a pit in my stomach in these rural areas. Yeah. And I absolutely don't feel comfortable. I don't want to be there. I don't want to drive through the cities. I don't want to be stopped. It's so sad that it switches on a dime. And it's scary. It's scary because I'm to this day, I, I go to certain places and I am instantly in fear. I, uh, let me tell two stories very quickly, although this is worthy of a much longer conversation. 
Uh, I grieved so hard during the George Floyd stuff that was taking place all across the country and not in the same way. I know I, I, I'm not comparing my grief to anyone else's, uh, but it was heavy and it was hard to reckon. Uh, and I consider myself a, a strong ally, but it hits in a different way. Uh, but uh, of, um, a couple of years ago, I took a, a trip to Columbus, Ohio, and I was staying in a hotel right next to the Capitol building. And just two days before I got there, and the trip had been planned for months, the two days before I got there, Makia Bryant, who was a teenage black girl who'd been killed by the police, uh, had had been killed. And there were Black Lives Matters protests happening in the streets all day and all night. And there was this image, and I saw it every day that I was there, of white cops surrounding the building as black people were grieving in the streets uh, and holding pictures and signs and just hurting and so loud. And I was a mess, um, but it was, it was a profound lesson because a couple months later I was teaching a conference after a, a public shooting and there were white people in the room talking about how they were afraid now like I've never been afraid before and now I'm afraid and they had a right to be afraid there had been this awful uh, awful shooting and there were people of color in the room and I got to stand up and say there are people in this room who have gone numb from being afraid for so long okay. uh, this is not a new experience and I uh, it just breaks my heart when I read this story those are the types of emotions that flood to the surface for me uh, and I, I'm talking too much on a topic that I no. live in every day, but it just it just it just breaks me. It breaks me, Bar. I'm so sad. <laughs> no, thank you for thank you for being sensitive enough to see that it's a thing that people are coping with being afraid every day. It's it's a part of life. It's a part of the lifestyle. Um, we shouldn't be in a space where I'm coping with that type of fear, or I expect to be insulted mistreated overlooked 10 times a day you know it might just be the 11th or 12th time that takes me out because it's a little abnormal from the usual mistreatment that i go through it, that's that's a horrible reality to be in it's it is one that i know well and i know other many people of color know well and it's it's, it's disheartening but it's also heartbreaking when we talk to people and they just can't grab the concept and I get it some people haven't lived a life but just because you haven't lived it doesn't mean you cannot sit down listen and and open up your mind because you wasn't born yesterday educate so, yourselves yes absolutely. <laughs> this uh, what this does to the story of Ender and David it makes me want more uh, Eric yes. Eric and Dickie's story here is gorgeous uh her holding a baby girl in her arms and thinking here's how I was raised and here's how my husband was raised. And I do not want my child to be raised in a world where she thinks racism is normal. Absolutely. Uh, and, and putting that as a motivation behind their move to Cairo adds so much tragedy to their deaths. It just, it just shatters me. It's such, I texted you when I read that story that day, if you remember, and I was like, oh my God, I'm a mess. <laughs> I Reading it again just breaks my heart. Um, uh, how are we doing on time? Are you okay for a little bit more? Yes. I know you've got a ton going on. I want to be respectful of your time. No, you're fine. This is your day. I know we had to, <laughs> we had to postpone it because of stuff. I was like, I had a big event and I forgot about it. But I'm, we are here. 
<laughs> I'm so happy to have this time with you. Uh, okay, let's jump forward. There's some interesting stories that give some more context to Storm's family as well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover a few more very quickly. Uncanny X-Men 474, uh, Storm has become aware of villages in Kenya that had mutant guardians who were left defenseless after M-Day. M-Day is when all the mutants in the world lost their powers because the Scarlet Witch cast that spell. Thank you, Scarlet Witch. <laughs> <laughs> it's Quicksilver's fault and uh, there's a man named Colonel Shatani who's been killing former mutants and then Uncanny X-Men uh, annual number one this is another Claremont story he gives us backstory he gives us context to this Storm and a group of X-Men uh, fight in a group of anti-mutant military forces who are working uh, for Colonel Shatani and Storm learns that excuse me I said Shatani Shatari Shitani. I just called it twice. Shitani. Uh, Storm learns that Shitani is her uncle. It's an Andare's brother. And she makes him lead her to this hidden village where she gets to meet her grandmother. It's Andare's mother. Uh, will you read us that text box? Uh, we get some context to Andare's background of here. Of course. And I, I, I love that storyline. I love that story arc. I really do. Um, Shitani led us to a hidden village in a valley that spawned the human race itself. This town was old long before writing was ever conceived. Here, the wisdom of ages was kept alive and sung by people like this woman, someone whom I never dared hope to meet, my grandmother. She recognizes me at once, says she felt me coming from afar, and she tells me all the things Uncle Shatani spent his life trying to deny. I descend from a royal lineage reaching back to the dawn of humanity. The power in our family passes from mother to daughter, Shatani felt left out, so he sought a different sort of power to destroy ours. It was because of him that no one ever came to find me. He threatened to have me killed should they ever try. My mother, on the other hand, rebelled against tradition and the role she felt was forced on her. She left her homeland to embrace the modern world. She found love. She had a child, me. My people prayed I was safe from Shatani, but all this time, grandmother knew my heart would draw me home. And so it has. Beautiful. And Beautiful. then this is the story that gives Storm the confidence she needs to accept T'Challa's wedding proposal because she's about to become the queen of Wakanda, which is a whole thing, right? <laughs> um, what, what makes you love this story? This story about Storm's connection to her ancestors, meeting her grandmother, uh, her connection to her homeland. You know, I didn't, I didn't want... I needed to know or feel that Storm was wanted, that Storm was precious, that Storm was someone special to her people. And um, to just see her missing and gone and she didn't have any ties back, just, it just left me a little empty because I guess maybe there's a need in me to have someone have another person looking for them or warning them and i had questions and this story answered those questions why isn't anybody looking for storm oh wait it's a crazy uncle that is going ballistic and forbade them to find her or he would kill her like all of that gave me the answers i needed to 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 make that full circle for me and you know it was and i like powerful women especially in real life and in comics. And it, it was really cool to kind of see a story where the men didn't get the power. They were 
not the, the strong ones or the ones that were super, super special. And that, um, you know, because he couldn't get it, he was willing to push the envelope so far. And instead of embracing his niece after the death of her parents, he was happy to keep her at bay and push her away. But I, I just like that dim, dynamic of the story. I did. But more importantly, it, no, she had Lena Yitch. I love that writers took this idea of Storm's getting married. We're launching the wedding of the century. But she knew no no knowledge about her parents' parents, mm-hmm. about her ancestry. So we get this, we get the connection to Indare's family there. And then in the, the next story I'm going to cover quickly, she gets a connection to David's parents. And this is also yeah. one that packs a punch. This is written by Reginald Hudlin, who's also another famous uh, Black writer who is still around and still doing great things. Uh, are, you a, are you a Reggie Hudlin fan? Um, I've read some of the stuff. I wouldn't call myself a fan, but I do like it. He's a little controversial sometimes, but he's the guy that gave us Shuri. There's some interesting things that come from his run on Black Panther. He changes a lot of things. But in uh, in 2006, uh, he's a famous screenwriter. Um, He's done a lot of stuff. Anyway, Wikipedia, look him up. Uh, He gives (laughs) us a story in the fourth volume of Black Panther, which is leading up to the wedding. We see a flashback to the childhood of David Monroe. And he's with his mother, Harriet who is working for Malcolm X and he's on his way to Wakanda. This is another example of where we mix real history into Marvel. Absolutely. Wakanda doesn't exist in the real world as much as it needs to. Uh, And they briefly meet King T'Chaka, who is Black Panther's father. Uh, Malcolm X was later, of course, assassinated uh, in 1965, which takes place in this story. Uh, David fell in love with Africa while he was there and he chooses to go back as an adult to Kenya. And that's where he meets Andare. Uh, and in the present, Harriet Monroe, the, his uh, Storm's grandmother, and her loved ones are visited by Hydra agents. They've got a shotgun and a frying pan, and they're fighting back, and I think that's great. <laughs> and uh, Black Panther helps chase the Hydra agents off, and then Storm arrives, and she meets her grandparents for the first time. They explain that they thought that she was dead along with her parents for all these years, but they had always hoped she was alive every time they'd look at the news. And Harriet says, both of us have a pretty deep history with radical left organizations in the 60s. After Malcolm, Martin, and Kennedy were shot, we figured this country was going to get worse before it got better, decided to get off the grid, lay low so we wouldn't get persecuted for our political activities. And her grandfather says, but we've been armed and ready for J, for J. Edgar Hoover to knock on our door for a while. So whenever, uh, whenever the Hydra agents show up, they're ready for it. Storm also learns that David had a sister who became an addict and died from AIDS. But uh, but he uh, she had a child named David, so named after her father, who is living in her grandparents' home. And all of them later attend Storm and Black Panther's wedding. These are characters that have not been shown again. Storm has whole families. And I want to see her visit with her grandparents more. I think it's lovely that we have these connections. The fact that we have her grandmother still around is amazing. Um, I love that. Um, definitely want to give a shout out to the frying pan, though. It has ended a lot of fights. <laughs> <laughs> It has it has put an end to a lot of drama. So shout out to the frying pan. But yeah, the grandmother is definitely someone I would love for her to go visit and talk to more and, you know, just delve into other aspects of her family and who, you know, the person before her that had the powers. I, I want to I want to see like, like we do in Black Panther, kind of the lineage and what these women did and how they use their power. I'm pretty sure someone went dark and got more villainous with her power. I kind of just, I would love to 
see that unveiled and, and talked about a little more and why it skips a generation or only picks certain people does it skip one or two generations I, I just want to learn more about what that lineage is and I think it's enough substance here to to hear about it there's uh there's several other stories where Storm has nightmares about her parents or villains will use her parents against her one is in X-Men Gold 3335 through 35 where uh the god Wovu I don't even know how to say that uh, <laughs> it taunts her with images of her parents she also regularly has images of their deaths in, in some of her dreams but also happy uh happy memories about them the last thing i'll mention just kind of as we're wrapping up there's connections to storm's jewelry her tiara comes from somewhere her jewel comes from somewhere we'll cover that stuff in another time but there's heritage to storm with almost everything about her writers have explored so much of what makes her her uh, one key moment i want to close with in extreme x-men number 19 which is another claremont series uh, Storm is confiding in Kitty Pride, and she just kind of states, and this is an example of trauma, she states, I hated my parents for dying, for abandoning me. I thought it was my fault. I'd rather have been dead if it meant remaining a family. At least I wouldn't be alone. And that that statement is kind of a, a capper for all of this uh, matters so much. Uh, what's it been like for you to read all of this and digest all of this in one place? How are you feeling about this conversation today, Bar? I am enjoying it. I want to know more about Storm. I I think we've only peeled like the surface. There's so many things we could go into. And as we're talking about it, you know, being that I am a storyteller in my, my profession, I'm thinking, you know, what other angles can I get into to potentially get this story told or to do some type of um I don't know if it's through writing or actual animation or film to to tell a little bit more about Storm's history and where it could go. Um, actually, this conversation is actually making me open up my mind and do some creative thinking of what could happen, how could I push the envelope to get something more to happen. Almost and every time I record one of these episodes, I sit down and write a story afterward. Literally, <laughs> I'm not joking. See? I want to sit down. I want to tell the story of like Storm's cousin David, who's named after her dad. He's a mutant and he comes to Krakoa and she has to mentor him, but he's tortured because his mom died. And that like yes. got these grandparents out there. There's all these amazing connections. <laughs> all of these amazing connections, all of these things that we could talk about. And again, as I mentioned earlier, you know, it's just some things that I still haven't figured out, you know, who is Vivian Monroe? Why is she Storm's sister? How is she Storm's sister, you know, to make Spike Storm's nephew? Um, I was so excited to see Spike. And I was like, oh, Storm has a nephew, but. No, know. I did not include this one in the comics because it's not established part of the it's not. Marvel it's not. continuity. This is from the cartoon. It's from the cartoon. Also, Storm has about seven children from like alternate futures that <laughs> have come back from like the future into the present and like there's all kinds of stuff we could it's do <laughs> so much stuff we could talk about um but yeah with this I, i'm feeling inspired because this is a beautiful story and it's, it's historical it's iconic and it means so much more than what the average person who's not into this stuff would think it, it speaks on so many levels whether you are into comics or not this story, her pain, her trials, her tribulations are reflective and 
I have to come in again. I, I know everybody can do more, but talking from a perspective of, of a conditioned man of color from yesteryear, this was amazing and that someone took the time to to give us someone with layers. We just didn't get it yeah. often. Um, you know, I think Storm and Luke Cage were probably the first two people as a child that I was like, oh my goodness, this is a story. Now, a lot of it, some of the stuff was stereotypical, but it was just so amazing to see these figures on the front of a page and with more than just a, hey, I'm here and I kick butt and they're out. So I'm very thankful for this conversation and the, the reflection that I'm having about it. Because um, I, uh, I am feeling just, I don't know how I'm feeling. <laughs> I'm feeling I'm feeling sad and inspired and like I have a different understanding of Storm uh, in those ways, but also just this this epic of her parents being told over time by different people the ties the ties to Malcolm X and civil rights the ties Absolutely. to uh, this heritage that Eric Jerome's Dicky story is the one that really just sunk in me. Um, and then these images of this happy family just ruined and how uh, how this trauma has shaped Storm. I, I have, I'm all over the place, but I, uh, I'm feeling grateful. That's how I'm feeling. I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling grateful for the, the depth of storytelling that is unfolding. Yes. I, uh, I'm doing an episode on Kitty Pride's parents soon as well. And Chris, Chris Claremont, again, gives so much context to these these Jewish characters who are fallible and have so much story to them. I want to meet this man and have him on my podcast. I think Chris Claremont is amazing. He's dope. Um, I would like to meet him too and and say thank you for, you know, standing out in the crowd with what you do and how you approach the characters. Yeah. And I'm extremely thankful for Storm as a character. Um, yeah, she's kind of been by herself, holding it down for many, many years. But it's so amazing to see something that has lasted and been so profound. And I don't know anybody that's tired of Storm. I don't know anyone. Everybody loves her. <laughs> right. So, you know, whoever created or whatever it is she she brings to the table is so majestic that it, it, it almost just connects races and people because Storm is just iconic. And, and, yeah. and talking about her and discussing her and breaking down her story and, and celebrating her is just... A magnificent thing to do um i i've always wanted a storm movie i think a storm animation series should come out even if it's a a short one i, I just need more other and i hope i can or someone this thing can make that happen because i think we deserve it Bar Fox, I think you're a phenomenal human. I'm so thankful to be your friend and to have this time with you. Uh, we could talk for hours and I hope we get to do so again very soon. Uh, thank you for your time and your insights this evening. This was very special. I really appreciate you. Um, where can people find you online and, and uh, recognizing this is coming out on Patreon around the 16th? Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug? Okay, well, you can find me at Bar Fox. That's with two R's and two X's. Or you can find me at Cosplay Your Way. And that is across all social media. TikTokers, if you're still on Facebook, uh, Instagram, wherever you are, Bar Fox and Cosplay Your Way. And what's coming up, this is going to be on the 16th. So if you are in Atlanta 
and you want to party for Halloween, please join Mark Strakhan and Cosplay Your Way for the Cosplay Gala or uh, the Cosplay Halloween party that we're throwing. So please come to my page to get more information. Or have, you picked my- out, have you picked out your cosplay yet? I have not picked it out yet. Um, you know, right now at work, we're we're doing something different. We're decorating our doors for the co- the contest at work. So um, that was a fun shift. But for my costume, I have not picked it out. I want to go a little ghoulish. I want to be a little scary this year. I don't do scary usually. You could and be Vampire Storm, be Bloodstorm. Now that would work. <laughs> vampire Storm, Mohawk, just really break it up. What is it, Bloodstorm? Yes. So <laughs> I'm going to consider that. Uh, all right, Bar. Hey, thank you so much for this time. Uh, next Patreon that comes out after this is with the uh, a wonderful letterer, Ariana Mar. We're going to be delving into the Ungarai, uh, which is going to be a whole different conversation, but uh, a lot more Claremont. So I'm super excited. I've been covering the 60s stuff for so long on my podcast. It's really fun to get into the 70s because the story stuff gets so much better. <laughs> Absolutely. And it, look, I mean, Reading that stuff from that time period with those sensibilities with our minds today is is enlightening in a lot of ways. We can blatantly see some things that should not have happened. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, wow, you can see how things are changed. It's captured there. It's, it's captured right there on the page. What that bubble is like. And now we look at it and we're like, oh, whoa. Seeing it all reinterpreted again and again is, is stunning. Uh, all right, my friend. Hey, thank you so much for this time tonight. Have a beautiful evening, and uh, I hope to hang out again soon. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. Thank Talk you, Bar. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Bye.